That is why they look forward to serving you. National Security This Week, a weekly look at American national security issues. And now, your host, John Olson. Welcome to National Security This Week. I'm your host, John Olson. Every Wednesday at 9 a.m., we'll get together here on KYMN Radio for around 30 minutes to discuss national security. Some weeks we'll cover broad topics, and other weeks we'll take a deep dive into important issues you may not have heard much about but might find interesting. We'll bring in guests from our local area, from around Minnesota, and from across the nation to help us explore challenges in national security. If there are topics you'd like us to cover, please email KYMN Radio, and I'll do my very best to find experts who can address your topic. So let's jump right in. Previous shows, I've mentioned the concept of the tools of national power. The tools include diplomatic, military, and economic power, as well as the power of information. Today we're going to discuss a topic that combines soft power, the power of information, the role of non-governmental organizations, and why creating better economic and humanitarian conditions across the developing world contributes to global and regional stability. Our guest today is Lois Quam. A native of Marshall, Minnesota, Lois has strong ties to Northfield, Her parents, the Reverend John and Louise Quam, live in Northfield, as did her grandparents, Nels and Thora Quam. Early in her career, she was appointed by Governor Rudy Perpich to chair the Minnesota Health Care Access Commission, which played a role in creating Minnesota Care. Lois served as the executive director of the Global Health Initiative for the Obama administration. Named three times to Fortune magazine's list of the most influential women leaders in business, Lois Quam joined Pathfinder International in 2017 as its CEO. Pathfinder is a 65-year-old organization providing women's health services in Africa and South Asia. A Rhodes Scholar, Lois has degrees from Oxford University and McAllister College. Lois Quam, welcome to National Security This Week. Well, thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be here uh, with you and, of course, to, to be in Northfield over the radio. I know you're familiar with uh, with Northfield uh, since your parents live here, and you're originally from Minnesota. Uh, I, I'm sure you've heard about the the fire here at the, the historic oh. Archer House. They, there is actually heavy construction equipment here, getting ready to start process some sort of a process on that building uh, next door. So if we hear a big crash <laughs> in the middle of this radio show, <laughs> you, you know that that's what it is. So let's I was go ahead. Heartbroken. Yeah, I was heartbroken to hear about the fire. I uh, I do a lot of my shopping on Main Street in uh, in Northfield. Oh. The Rare Pair is a favorite. Uh, the kitchen store, uh, the bookstore. So I uh, I really enjoy shopping in Northfield whenever I'm back to visit my parents. So let's go ahead and get started. So you joined Pathfinder in 2017. What attracted you to that organization, and what exactly does Pathfinder International do in Africa and South Asia? You know, I think the first thing that attracted me to Pathfinder is that I'm a mother. Um, I have three sons, um, and I had them close together. I had three sons under two at one point. <laughs> I, had, uh, I had one son, and then I had twins 23 months later. Um, and I've also had, you know, as you referenced from my bio, I've, I've had the opportunity to serve in different roles in business and government. I'm, I'm, I've been active in the Lutheran Church and other areas. And so as a woman, as a mother, as someone who's worked in the world, you know, I know what a difference it makes whether women have access to the core opportunities 
they need to fulfill their life. Education, family planning, the ability to be respected in the world. I've had that, and I know what a difference it's made. And I know that a lot of women around the world don't have that. And um, what Pathfinder does is seek to give every woman that opportunity. Um, so, so the fact that the work that we do at Pathfinder, you know, changes the life of an individual, changes a, the way a family can live, and changes a nation is what drew me to Pathfinder. You know, the second thing that really drew me was um, the fact that at Pathfinder, our colleagues who work in country are all from those communities. Hmm. So we know the culture, history, and the language of the places that we work because it's our culture, history, and language. You know, and I, I know, uh, you know, uh, living in Minnesota, you know, the last thing, the last thing, you know, we want is someone from the East Coast or the West Coast coming in kind of telling us how to live. We've got some pretty good ideas on that ourselves. Or growing up in Marshall, you know, you don't want someone from the cities coming out saying, here's the way you, you should live. So um, uh, at, across Pathfinder, uh, my colleagues are from the places where we work. And they work every day to ensure that girls and boys and men and women have the full opportunities they can have in their life, in their life. And central to that is having access to family planning. Okay. So <clears throat> a few weeks ago, we had uh, U.S. former U.S. Army Intelligence Officer Bethany May on the show. And uh, when she was here, we talked about the critical role that women play in stabilizing societies. Uh, her experience was in working with uh, women in Syria, northern Syria, in a combat zone while fighting mm. the Islamic State. Uh, the work Pathfinder does, uh, broadly speaking, how does that work help to bring stability to developing countries in Africa and South Asia? Well, in so many ways, and I'm going to give the example of Burkina Faso, where um, I've been to Burkina many times. It's a, Burkina is a, a country in West Africa. It used to be called Upper Volta. Mm -hmm. And... Um, on my first trip to Burkina, I was actually meeting with the president of Burkina, and, and, and the U.S. ambassador was with me, and it was kind of like a 9-11 moment for Burkina. Uh, a Marine came during our meeting and brought a note into the president. He very graciously kind of finished the meeting with me kind of quickly, <laughs> and when we walked outside, we could see smoke rising from Ouagadougou, the capital, the, the, uh, and what had happened was a group of terrorists had attacked the French embassy and had attacked, attacked a location where the Burkina military was supposed to be meeting. Now, they had actually changed the location of the meeting, or I don't know what would have happened. But um, they uh, uh, killed 80 people in that, in that moment. And since then, Burkina has dealt with a lot of challenge. And... And, and as, I'm, as I've spoken to my uh, Burkina colleagues at Pathfinder, one of the things they've said is challenging about the attacks is it isn't an army. They're, it's mostly young men on motorcycles. Mm -hmm. and, and, and one of my colleagues said, where are their mothers? You know, I right. like to rope them in. And, and women, when they're respected in the community, when they're not completely worn out, um, by having, um, you know, had, um, uh, you know, experience of, you know, having so many difficult pregnancies, you mm -hmm. know. Um, I mean, still each day, John, a thousand women die globally uh, giving birth. Yeah. Um, 
Um, and, 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 you know, women can be a very strong stabilizing force in every society, calling people to higher purpose, um, taking care of the community. Uh, so we see that firsthand in little villages uh, around, uh, around the world. Yeah, and that's uh, sort of what uh, Bethany May had mentioned in, in her dealings in, in northern Syria, is that women really were a stabilizing force, even yeah. in the middle of a, of a combat Absolutely. zone. Absolutely. Uh, so former U.N. Secretary General Kofi Annan, uh, who, a- as you know, is a fellow uh, McAllister yeah. uh, graduate uh, here in Minnesota, stated that Pathfinder's unique approach uh, to working with and through partners in mm-hmm. local communities is a model of success on a global scale. Mm-hmm. Can you say more about the process Pathfinder follows to engage with local communities? And and who are Pathfinder's critical partners uh, in the developing world? Mm, Yeah, thanks, John. Um, We are in and of the communities that we work in. That's the the first thing. And um, we work with uh, local leaders. Now, they might be um, formal leaders, like an elected governor of a state, they might be traditional leaders, like when I went to Niger, I met with the Sultan of Zinder. Uh, uh, they might be medical leaders, like the doctors or midwives in the area. They might be informal leaders. We meet with mothers-in-law who are very important in communities. Um, they may be religious leaders. When I was on that trip to Niger, Imam blessed the meetings I had in the villages. Uh, we meet, we work with Christian pastors uh, around the world. So we work with kind of the powers of be, both formally and informally. Um, and, and then the other group we work with are, are called peer or near-peer champions. So I give in that trip to Niger, I met with young married couples who had had their first child. And by young, I mean young. These folks would be at our high school in Northfield. They're 15, 16 years old. And um, uh, 19, 20, 21-year-old married couples meet with them to talk to them about their future. When do they want to welcome a second child? Mm -hmm. Is it a year after the first child, or would they rather have it be two or three years or four years after the first child? Mm And, and it's exciting to see the light in the eyes of these young people as they think about the fact that they do have some options and some choices. So leaders and peers are the key people that we work with. So it sounds to me uh, like you, like Pathfinder International works very hard to build coalitions in local communities uh, sure. to, to help create better conditions for everyone. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so far, our audience, uh, you're listening to KYMN Radio, AM 1080 and FM 95.1. This is National Security This Week, and I'm your host, John Olson. Our guest today is Lois Quam, the CEO of Pathfinder International, an organization that delivers high-quality medical care to women across the developing world. Uh, so, Lois, this, uh, this weekly radio show is called National Security This Week. In our introduction, I mentioned that today's topic covers soft power, the role of non-governmental organizations like yours, like Pathfinder International, and how organizations like yours contribute broadly to global stability and economic development. You're a globally engaged business leader. As you look across Africa and South Asia, what challenges do you see for stability in those regions? Well, a central challenge is around the role of women and really giving uh, women the opportunity to be uh, leaders, to be stabilizers in their society. Um, and it shows up in different ways. Um, you know, the challenges around the changing climate are real. 
sure. the expansion of the desert and the Sahel, mm-hmm. the um, more frequent like extreme weather events in in on the on the Indian Ocean in Mozambique, for example. And and when you touch ground in those situations, what you see are women being very resilient in seeking to meet the needs of their family, whether there's been a flood or a drought. Figuring out, okay, this crop won't grow, but that crop can. Okay, we can't get to this healthcare facility uh, for my um, sister to give birth, but we can, you know, we'll do this. Um, the opportunity for those kind of day-to-day strategies that women use to be given broader voice, to be given broader application, so they're part of how, how do we really see what the real problems are and the solutions is a huge thing. So I think that um, I think that kind of new forms of instability that the changing climate brings feels to me very significant in in the work that we do. And and so one of the things we're doing is really thinking about the role that women do already play and can play in in finding solutions for that for that work. So it's uh, it's my impression, my understanding that uh, in a lot of these uh, developing countries uh, across uh, Africa and South Asia, uh, w- women play a key role in managing the family budget uh, and all things Absolutely. related to the family budget. And, and yeah. uh, the men men may, might go out and do some of the, the hard labor, but the women uh-huh. are the ones who really run the families in many regards. Yeah. Uh, so they're constantly looking out for the betterment of not only their own family, but the community around them because they realize that, you know, everybody's in it together. Are there any places in, in Africa or South Asia that, uh, that, from your perspective, are particularly concerning right now? Well, you, you know, we work in Bangladesh, and, and Bangladesh is, is, is um, very low to sea level. Yeah. Uh, and um, we've worked there for a long time. You know, and and the situation women is really advanced in Bangladesh in the last several decades, um, and that's because women have had more access to family planning and education, mm-hmm. and and most women in Bangladesh have chosen to have smaller family size, and they and their children have received better nutrition and education. Mm. Um, so, um, but the country is is just because of where it's naturally situated really at risk around climate change and around flooding as a result um and also with the situation in minamar next door or used to be called burma you know there's a lot of refugees that have come into cox bazaar which is a part of bangladesh so there's a there's a refugee challenge as well Mm -hmm. and um uh, so that's that's that is one area that I that I that I really am thinking about today. Okay, yeah, I know that uh, from from the past uh, when we think about uh, uh, disaster relief and humanitarian crises uh, around the world, uh, when there's a big cyclone that uh, churns north from the in the Indian Ocean, it invariably winds up uh, running right up into Bangladesh and. Uh, in those low-lying areas, a lot of the you know, poorest of communities move into those areas because yeah. there's an opportunity to build a home, but they get wiped out on a regular basis by those those cyclones uh, when they hit. It's yeah. just terribly uh, a terrible tragedy. Yeah. So you just yeah. mentioned uh, uh, Myanmar. Uh, they just had a coup, and mm-hmm. the military is unfortunately once again uh, mm-hmm. ruling the nation and members of their parliament, including uh, mm-hmm. no- Nobel Prize uh, laureate uh, Aung San Suu Kyi, uh, are under house arrest. Uh, yeah. The military in Myanmar has a long history of carrying out violence against uh, ethnic minorities in, in the nation. And you talked about uh, 
refugees uh, heading into Bangladesh. Uh, how has the coup in uh, Myanmar impacted Pathfinder's ability to deliver programs to the people across that nation? Well, it's had a profound impact, John. We've had to freeze all of our work. Mm. Um, for the first few days after the coup, we were able to um, have Internet and kind of phone connection to our colleagues there. Um, now we really don't. Um, so it's, it's a profound, it has a profound impact uh, on um, our, our staff and the people that we serve. Um, so we are, you know, we are waiting to see what happens, hoping our colleagues are safe. Um, eager to continue to provide services uh, to to the people of the country. Hmm. Uh, why, why don't we, since Pathfinder International covers South Asia and Africa, why don't we shift over to Africa uh, uh, for a little bit? Uh, how does Path, Pathfinder's mission uh, to help create stability in in the Sahel or or perhaps uh, Niger? Uh, can you talk a little bit more about those two areas in Africa? Yeah, yeah, I. Um, I've been in Niger twice and just just love my time there. Um, our our team there is led by Dr. Sani Alou. He is a physician, a, a religious leader in the country. He, um, I, um, I believe, he was the eighth child of his mother, and his mother died shortly after uh, he was born. Mm. And he was raised by his extended family. So he. Um, and we have such a talented team based in Niamey, the capital, and Zindera regional place and across the country. And a lot of the work there we do is with young married couples. We, we actually um, operate husband schools. Okay. And uh, <laughs> so uh, it was fun to meet with the young husbands in the husband school. And, and uh, as we were meeting with them, um, someone asked one of the husbands, well, what have you learned the most about in husband school? And he said, I've learned how to talk to my wife about difficult topics, at which we all thought maybe husband school should go global. <laughs> um, and and what he, he said is, he said, you know, um, you know, these, these uh, young married couples were married very young, 15, 16. Some of them arranged marriage by their parents. And, and he said, you know, it used to be, if we had something difficult to talk about, we would kind of avoid each other because we didn't know how to raise it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and then you have important questions like when do we want to welcome our second child or when do we want to welcome our third child or, you know, other kinds of things. Or, or should I uh, should I go should I leave where we're living and go somewhere else to try to rate, earn money? Uh, you know, these are. So that's really interesting, and that's kind of the heart of it. And one of the things, um, Niger had a presidential election. It was just announced yesterday. Um, the former president was an honorary member of the Husband School. And um, we're, we're hopeful there's some instability in the country um, this morning with given the election, but we're, we're hopeful that that will uh, calm down. We have our staff working from home given the instability today, but we're hoping to be able to resume uh, kind of normal work there soon. And how about across the Sahel? You know, it's it's the same kind of across the across the Sahel. The um, the the increasing desertification is an issue. The increasing um, you know terrorist activity. Uh, you know, really started in Mali, but now it's a big factor in Burkina, and is is a real factor in. And in, in, as I talked to our staff there when I was last in Burkina, you know, they said they have to call it. They they call ahead every day 
to see are things stable enough for them to carry out their work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I admire uh, my colleagues who, you know, work under those challenges uh, over and over again. Sure. So the work uh, that Pathfinder does uh, across Africa and South Asia, you mentioned earlier, it's a it's an interesting blend uh, across uh, both two of the you know globally mm-hmm. major tra- uh, religious traditions, uh, Christianity and and yeah. uh, Islam. Is in your experience, uh, is working in the Islamic communities much different than working in the Christian communities with regard to s- the support Pathfinder provides to to families, young families? No, it's not. In both settings, it's working with local religious leaders who are elders within their community. And in both Christian and Islamic settings, we've con- we've convened leaders to look at their holy books, the Bible and the Quran, and and look at what the Bible says, what the Quran says about the role of women and the empowerment of women, the well-being of the family. And therefore, the role that family planning can play in, in avoiding having children too early or too close together. Mm-hmm. So it's the same process. They're different holy books. They're different traditions. Uh, but it's, it's everywhere we work, we respect the local traditions. Uh, and, and as I said, because there are local traditions, sure. uh, our colleagues in country are from the communities where we work. So for our audience, you're listening to KYMN Radio, AM 1080 and FM 95.1. This is National Security This Week, and I'm your host, John Olson. Our guest today is Lois Quam, the CEO of Pathfinder International, an organization that delivers high-quality medical care to women across the developing world. Uh, so let's let's move to COVID nineteen. Uh, yeah, we know that that's a virus that's that's raging across yeah. the planet. Some countries have done well to control the spread of the virus, and and others not so much. Uh, how has COVID nineteen impacted the nations where Pathfinder works, and what role is uh, is Pathfinder playing in combating the virus? Mm. Well, as we know firsthand, COVID nineteen has had a pretty big impact, um, and that's true in the countries where we work. Um, in some cases, it's harder because people live in really um, close communities. Um, people live with an extended family in one household that it isn't, you know, typical for people to have their own bedroom, uh, for example. So, ability to socially distance is actually very limited. Sure. And initially, it was very hard to get high enough quality masks out in in force. And the vaccine is just starting really to roll out in those settings. And we know from our own experience how hard the vaccine rollout is. So, um, you know, we, uh, we have had colleagues at Pathfinder, you know, who have been ill and have recovered, I'm grateful to say. Um, and we shifted almost overnight um, in, the, in the way we provide services. Because if you think about it, COVID is a household-based pandemic. Yeah. You know, it's a respiratory pandemic, and the first sign of, a pan- of this pandemic is not an ambulance or an epidemiologist. It's, it's most likely someone saying to a woman, a mother, a grandmother, a sister, an aunt, I don't feel good. Right. right? And then all the decisions flow from that. Yep. Do you socially distance? Do you have any other precautions that you can take? Do you go get medical assistance? Do you report it? So we really turned literally in 24 hours in some of our settings to, to implement these kind of public health precautions in within the other services that we provide. 
Yeah, and I, and I know that, uh, I mean, if you look at here in the United States, we have over 500,000 who've passed away now. Uh, one of the big challenges that, that we were very concerned about, especially when the virus was really surging, was uh, the impact on our hospitals. Uh, and we have the ability to provide, you know, top-notch medical care, mm-hmm. ventilators mm-hmm. and whatnot. Yeah. That is clearly not available in a lot of these uh, parts of the world where Pathfinder works. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the catastrophe of what could happen uh, mm-hmm. with the virus spreading uncontrollably in those places would be catastrophic. And, I, and I've heard uh, top infectious disease experts uh, like our own uh, Michael Osterholm uh, here yeah. at the University of Minnesota mm-hmm. Uh, talk about the fact that uh, that we need to combat the virus everywhere because if we don't, we won't beat it over the long term. And mm-hmm. I even, in fact, uh, mm-hmm. I just heard Bill Gates talking about that mm-hmm. the other day, and, mm-hmm. and, and I'm sure he, you're well, he's well known to you as as the work that he does, uh, global public health. So, what does your experience in the health sector tell you about the need to work across national boundaries, uh, including the developing world where Pathfinder works, uh, to beat COVID nineteen? Well, John, when I went to work at the State Department and reviewed um, what, what the United States does in global health, I realized that it was more likely, and this is in 2011, it was more likely that a disease would spread from overseas and kill Americans. It seemed to me then that there would be a military attack from overseas that would kill Americans. Yeah. And, of course, we've now seen that happen in the 500,000 people. I live near the National Cathedral in Washington now, and it, it, it 500 bells go off uh, the other night. So um, it is in Americans' interest, it's in our national interest, it's central to our national security to invest in the CDC and invest in global health systems. That, that's good for the world, and it's essential to protect the American people. Yeah. So we just have a, a few minutes left, uh, Lois. Uh, I have one, one last question for you, and you can feel free to expound on this yeah. as much as you want. Uh, you, are a, you are a leader, a well-respected leader in this, in this area uh, of public health, uh, global public health. Let's finish on the topic of, of national security. What role specifically do women play in national security where, in the nations where Pathfinder works? Can you enlighten us a bit? Yeah, well, we have women who are um, leaders, uh, ministers of health, ministers in other kind of places. But I'd say the biggest role that women play are um, within their communities, um, um, organized together as a stabilizing force. There is nothing like a group of grandmothers (laughs) defending their community in the face of unrest or other problems. Sure. I would bet on them in, in every case. Yeah, they, they have the respect of literally everyone in the community, and nobody messes yeah. with the grandmothers. <laughs> yeah. All right, we've uh, we've reached the end of our time today. Uh, Lois Quam, thank you so much for being our guest on National Security This Week. Thank you, John. A pleasure. You have a, a, a wonderful rest of your day today. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. All right, everyone, that closes this week's edition of National Security This Week. We're on KYMN Radio in Northfield, Minnesota, AM 1080 and FM 95.1. I'm your host, John Olson. Uh, Thank you for joining me today. I look forward to sharing time with you again next Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Our guests next week will actually be three uh, former or current submarine officers on U.S. Navy nuclear attack submarines. If you have ideas for topics for the future you'd like us to cover, please contact KYMN Radio, and I'll do my very best to find experts who can address your topic. Have a fantastic Wednesday and a great finish to your week.
You've been listening to National Security This Week, a weekly show looking into issues of American national security with the host, John Olson. Listen every Wednesday at 9 a.m. for National Security This Week.